Support for this show is brought to you by our friends at Bloomerang. Bloomerang offers donor management and online fundraising software that helps small to medium nonprofits like First Tee of Greater Akron, a nonprofit empowering kids and teens through the game of golf. After just one year with Bloomerang, they doubled their unique donors, improved donor stewardship, and raised more funds. To listen to the full interview of First Tee of Greater Akron, visit bloomerang.com slash weareforgood or click the link in our show notes. Hey, I'm John. And I'm Becky. And this is the We Are For Good podcast. Nonprofits are faced with more challenges to accomplish their missions and the growing pressure to do more, raise more, and be more for the causes that improve our world. We're here to learn with you from some of the best in the industry, bringing the most innovative ideas, inspirational stories, all to create an impact uprising. So welcome to the good community. We're nonprofit professionals, philanthropists, world changers, and rabid fans who are striving to bring a little more goodness into the world. So let's get started. Happy Friday, B. What's Happy happening? Friday. Are you ready to lock arms for impact? <laughs> ready I am. to lock arms. Can you believe <laughs> it's like already our eighth week on this trend series? I can't believe we're on number eight. This we're is literally unreal. starting to wind down. We're into the home stretch where it's starting to hurt a little bit in the marathon, but this doesn't yeah. hurt. This feels good. And <laughs> I got to give we you a little. This is what we were built for, right? This is what yes. we were built for. And I, and I just want to give you a shout out because today we're talking about lock arms for impact and you fought for this trend <laughs> in the lineup. And I got to tell you, the way that it has unfolded has been just extraordinary. So way to go, John, for seeing hey. the forest above the trees. Thanks. I'm glad it was the locking arms because we always joke that we were arm wrestling over which trends we're going <laughs> to be so this true. year. So let me just give a little context. If this is your first time to tune in with this, or maybe you're kind of jumping in somewhere this is our nine-part series where we're really unpacking trends that we are, have identified that really matter in the sector. And this is not our agenda. This is the collective voices of our community and incredible thought leaders who have come on the show over the last year. And we just feel like these things really do matter. They shift the needle for organizations that prioritize them. And so this week specifically, we're camping out around this idea of a locking arm for impact. We're going to tell you all what it means. And then we have a surprise guest coming on in the last half. Oh, and you get ready for let that me just, guest. Let me be real for you. This week, this doesn't always happen this way, but this week we've already pre-recorded this. And let me just tell you what is coming at the end of today's episode is going to blow your mind. At least it did ours. Totally. So stay tuned. And I think we just need to talk about some truths because when you think of lock arms for impact, I think you can go a lot of ways with that. You know, are you talking about partnerships? Are you talking about grassroots community building? And the, or is it some other interpretation? And we would say, yes, it is all of that. It is thinking about your mission in a way where you're not going at it alone. And we believe firmly in the impact uprising. And again, if you're new to this podcast, it's the belief that all of us have a role to play in philanthropy and moving good forward in the world in the way that we can do it. And by locking arms for impact, we're going to be breaking down walls, we're going to be leaving our silos, and we're going to be solving for the bigger picture. And these bigger issues that we can find alignment on, we're going to reach across the aisle and across the streets in our neighborhood, and we're going to lock arms because we can do more together. So just think of impact as a mosaic. It's all of us leaning into our zones of genius, activating the communities of people around us, and coming together on shared values. So there's a little bit of tone setting for you. I mean, that gives me all the warm fuzzies, but I know it to be true as we've seen it play out. And so I want to double click on what you just said there, B, about the idea of 
finding and leaning into our zones of genius. Because I feel like really before you can really lock arms, it's really important that you as an organization and you as a person too, like understanding what you can be accountable to in your own impact gives you this confidence. When you know your niche, you know you can show the impact that you're you're creating, it really does set the stage to be able to partner to make your impact more holistic whenever you lock arms together. So what does that look like in practical terms? It's like owning your results, you know, leaning into the data, leaning into the metrics, be able to speak to what is it that your organization does that moves the needle in your community or whatever issue that you're facing. Even developing frameworks, you know, we have a lot of incredible organizations that have come through to share their frameworks. What is your theory of change? What is unique to your organization that you can put on fire and begin to spread and replicate um, maybe in different areas or different programs or whatnot? And then secondly, understanding what your impact is, is going to illuminate where there's gaps, where there are opportunities. And that's where there's really the sweet spot to say, man, that is where we could co-build something and find a partner that is uniquely gifted in that area that we could lock arms with. When we love hearing stories of partnerships, this innovation is everywhere. And it's against like even traditional borders of nonprofit land. And I'm going to lift a couple of interesting ones. One is our friend, Nick Lynch out in LA, right? He had this, (laughs) hey, Nick. He had this really interesting career where he understood the media world, you know, and he's really connected in with some of the influencers and um, people that are kind of living that lifestyle in Los Angeles. And so he had this idea on a plane of like, why are these worlds not connected between influencers that are getting so much traction and engagement online with nonprofits? And so he created Kaleidoscope.io and they live kind of in that vortex of locking arms on both sides. And then a more traditional example, but really one that's Cutting through the noise is Heather Reynolds at the Wilson Sheehead Lab for Economic Opportunities up at Notre Dame. She is finding these nonprofits that have incredible frameworks and they're doing data and they're doing research and they're saying, yes, this is the most incredible impact. And they want to help pour gasoline on it to get them connected to more resources, to just help surround them with support. And so there's two examples of just like when you can lean in and you can show in and know what you're good at, you can start to identify really cool partnerships. So if any of that speaks to you, please go to the show notes or go back and listen to Nick Lynch's episode. We've had two with him. Um, Listen to Heather Reynolds, because these are the people who are powering this new movement and the way that we are looking at partnerships. And it's really about, we need to find like-minded people. So often in the past, we were just thinking of, oh, we need to find our donors. That is very much the sunsetted methodology that we're trying to put to rest because it's so much bigger than donors. We need to be looking for people who can bring social capital, network, businesses, stories, community, whatever someone has to give, we need to find a way to lock arms with them. I think we had, we've had several conversations around this concept and notion of tri-sector solutions, you know, and going beyond the nonprofit walls. And how do we partner in incredible ways by asking bigger questions? And when we do that, it leads to more comprehensive solutions across the aisle. And it really does power not only the mission, but it powers economies. It powers communities. And guess what, guys? We all know when we lock arms with others, the workload 
is shared. The energy, the joy, the heartache, all of it is shared and it is going to power the movement. And so I think a really great example is Simon Manwaring. Can we pinch oh, ourselves that so Simon Manwaring still but came onto the yes. podcast and talked to us? Um, I mean, this is a groundbreaking marketer. He was head of Tom's at one point and massive uh, brands around the world. But he, in episode 193, he talks about the power of collaborative leadership. And I got to like share this quote from him because I think it's so powerful. And he says, this is all about the future of collaborative leadership. We need to get together and lead together. Nonprofits have the boots on the ground. They have the expertise or the experience that all these corporate partners and others need as stakeholders who are rallying together to collectively solve issues. So we're not less important. But at the same time, the competition has gone through the roof because every for-profit company or maybe even a younger social enterprise is now talking about the good that they're doing. And so rather than fight upstream against, you know, this incredible competition, join it, get loud, get, get your arms around it, link arms, because there are a lot of people who believe and fight for the same things that your mission is working to fight for as well. I mean, I love that example because he's clearly super connected now and has a global presence in his thinking. But we also just open this up to the community that surrounds We Are For Good. And we've got some global voices here speaking into. We ask them, you know, what is the most important part of a partnership in your eyes? And Amina Mohammed from Cameras for Girls, which we love so oh, much. Hi, Amina. Hi. The partnerships and collabs must have the same values. You know, Boom. she's our people when we're starting to talk about values that unite us. And then Alexander Lapa, he said, niching is counterintuitive. You think that you're casting a narrower net, but you actually catch more fish this way and you become well known for something specific. That really harkens back to how we started this conversation of like, what can you be really known for? And people are going to want to lock arms with you. And then our old buddy, Christina Adcox. Oh my oh, gosh, we my spent soul years sister. Yeah, yes. at, in our healthcare philanthropy together. She's now at the Noble Research Institute here in Oklahoma. And she said, don't ask them to help you. You ask them to join you. Just kind of the, even the small mm. language changes of like, how can we be on the same side of the table working together and um, just start to build these relationships. So love all that incredible feedback from our community. So if you're someone that says, I really want to get my mindset into this evolved thinking, I want to go deeper. Don't you worry. We got you. We put together some case studies and playlists. So we've got eight incredible podcast playlists. We're going to link up in the show notes and we're going to let you dive deeply into who is doing this well. And it's beyond just the mindsets. We've got frameworks. We've got people sharing their case studies and they're just incredible stories about the way that we can broaden the lens of the way that we look at partnerships and reimagine how we can go at this together and not alone. Okay. So just to round out with a few pro tips to partner well, it helps to know your own strengths and not just know them, but to own them. You know, every time we talk about partnerships, we want you to feel the power of walking into the space. It's no longer feeling like you're the secondary coming to the table, but you have power in the impact that you have. And so really lean into that. And another pro tip that I would give you is take inventory of your assets as a mission. And, and I don't mean your assets, like how many, um, cruts you have and how many plan gifts and how many computers I'm talking about. What are your assets you can bring to the table in a partnership? You know, where are your stories of impact? How big is your social following? 
what kind of expertise do you have to lend? How do you bring thought leadership or a founding story into that experience? We have so much to offer and we need to step into our power as we go into these partnerships and make it an equitable partnership. So that's a couple ways you can get started. Hey friends, do you want or need a plan to reach your fundraising goals this year? Or maybe you're looking for a playbook for how to show up with more confidence as a nonprofit leader? Take your skills, confidence, and impact through the roof in 2023. Join us inside We Are For Good's professional development experience and community in We Are For Good Pro. So inside, you'll find workshops and live coaching events with Becky and myself, and you'll even see some of your favorite past podcast guests too. Get activated today at weareforgood.com backslash learn. Taking a quick pause from today's episode to thank our sponsor, who also happens to be one of our favorite companies, Virtuous. You know we believe everyone matters, and we've witnessed the greatest philanthropic movements happen when you both see and activate donors at every level, and Virtuous is the platform to help you do just that. It's so much more than a nonprofit CRM. Virtuous helps charities reimagine generosity through responsive fundraising, volunteer management, and online giving, and we love it because this approach builds trust and loyalty through personalized engagement. Sounds like Virtuous might be a fit for your organization? Learn more today at virtuous.org or follow the link in our show notes. Okay, Becky, I got to say, there was a turning point in this podcast when our friend walked into the room and that is Anne-Marie Doherty. She is the CEO. (laughs) Yes, she was the CEO or she is the CEO of the Bob Woodruff Foundation. This She's this award-winning marketer. She's an industry thought leader. She's just a passionate champion for our nation's veterans and their families. But I remember the day she came on the podcast because she not only schooled us, but she showed us that this works and that this has results. And this is something that is accessible for everybody as we lean into locking arms for impact. And so guess what we did, friends? We dialed up Anne-Marie and we're like, hey, could you come back and teach us your ways just one more time on the podcast today? (laughs) And she said, yes, and she is here. Anne-Marie, get in this house. We're so delighted to have you here. Likewise, I'm so thrilled. It's so fun to be back with you both. And it, it's, it was a ton of fun the first time. Excited to do it again. Well, I mean, thank you for sharing your wisdom and just your kindness. I mean, we have heard back from our community members of people that you have followed up with and been caring for and sharing even on a deeper level. So just thank you for the way that you show up for people in this world. And so I just want to you know, give you the floor. You've gotten to explore our trends and you heard that one of them we lifted is this lock arms for impact. And I feel like y'all are definitively one of the experts doing this so well. I just want to hear what was your initial reaction when you heard that trend and how have you seen it specifically play out in front of you? I'm into the trends, all of them. And I, I fully admit to all of the listeners, I have not mastered all of them. So I may be playing the part of teacher today, but I am also a student. I am showing up imperfectly and I am here. I will tell you, my first thought after listening to the concept of lock arms for impact and thinking about building community as we're always talking about is who are we locking arms with? Because once they're locked, you're going to be in it to win it. And so good when you you know, and that may mean that you're locked for a while. You got to take a long view. You just plan, you're planning to stay the course. So I think even before we lock arms, we need to take a good look around and think about who the team is. And when will you know that you had the impact that you teamed up for? 
I know when you set the trend, you talked about using metrics. So being data driven, but I say, put the metrics on the table before you lock arms, make sure everybody looks at each other and says, we're in it to win it. And then if your original plan seems like it doesn't quite fit with who you were about to lock arms with, I say, trust your gut. Oh, yes. Okay. (laughs) Anne-Marie starts out with humility, (laughs) talking about imperfection. We've already got servant leadership here, but you're exactly right. Thank you for grounding us. And the fact that we have the ability, we have the power to say, this does not feel right. I think gut is something that we completely do not put enough emphasis on in our work. And we are relationship driven. And, And I tell my girls all the time, there's a little man in your stomach, probably a little woman because they're girls. There's a little woman in your stomach. And if she's telling you something's off, like you need to listen to her. So I really like that starting point. And I just think that Bob Woodruff Foundation is coming at partnerships at a completely different way than the rest of the world. And I love it. And and I want to give you a shout out like before I ask this next question, because when you came on the podcast, you shared this incredible framework for how you all build partnerships. And you gave this great example with the NFL. We had somebody in our community reach out to you who got that formula, went and applied it to the NBA and got it and got the partnership with the NBA. And so this is not just something that was lightning in a bottle. This is applicable. This could be applied to your tiny nonprofit, your large nonprofit. And I want you to talk about just that mentality. How can nonprofits go about kind of changing their mindsets around partnerships? What advice would you give to them as they work within the sector, across the sector, outside of the sector? What's really worked for Bob Woodruff? I'm going to build on this pick your partners. You don't always have the opportunity to pick your partners, but I challenge that most often you do. So let's, I think if, if we frame it as a, a team sport, so partnerships, a team sport, let's set up some of the rules of the game. I, I say this all the time and it, it helps me professionally and personally name it to tame it. Like, what are we partnering for? Sometimes we're tackling like big intractable issues with large bureaucracies, different, you know, other countries, government agencies, or organizations that might be less evolved comparatively to, you know, the one that you're a part of. And that doesn't mean that you don't partner with them. But I think we just want to put the, we want to set our sights on what does success look like before we even get in the game and get to know them. Who are these partners? What's the win? And this goes back to the NFL analogy uh, we used last time. There's got to be a win for everyone to make a partnership sticky. And I don't think we need to be shy about that. Sometimes it's funding. Sometimes it's more exposure. Sometimes it's winning a contract. I mean, there's all different aspects of partnership. If there's a partner at the table and it's unclear what they get out of it, there's possibly an ulterior motive, or they don't know what they're going to get out of it. And then the stickiness of that partnership is going to wane. Going back to one of your other principles about people just have so many competing priorities. So if you're a part of a partnership and you're not getting anything out of it and you have your day job and all these other competing things, it won't be sticky if it's unclear what you get out of it. Um, So what's the, the, I would say the simplest way of framing that is Every player, if it's a team sport, needs to get something out of being on the team. 
And what is the problem that you're trying to solve? And then another um, rule of the game that I apply, I just have a couple. This is, this also goes back to parenting. Um, do what you say. Thank you. I need all that advice. <laughs> do what you say, say what you mean, and don't say it mean. The do what you say is you show up as a partner and do what you said you were going to deliver. Hold yourself accountable as well as holding others accountable. And you can hold yourselves accountable if you all put on the table what problem you're trying to solve and how you're going to do that. The don't say it mean is that like you get more bees with honey, like be nice, be a good partner, just be easy to work with, be friendly, break the ice, be, you know, just take a minute to ask about someone's family or what's going on with them before you dive into the meat of whatever it is you're dealing with. And then if you're in a leadership position on the team, this is something I've really tried to apply through our grant making program at the Bob Woodruff Foundation. Quick yes, quick no, or transparent not right now. Like how much easier would your life Thank be you. if someone knew you're not getting the funding and they just told you so you could move on? And a no with generosity of spirit, even better. And also a like a not right now. Like I I don't know. I can't decide on this. Let's regroup in six months so that you're not wasting time with all the back and forth. Um, and then the last thing I would say in building a partnership is watch out for egos and logos. Watch out. Take it. In. <laughs> Is it taking up too much space on the team? Because that reverts back to picking your partners. There is a place for egos and logos, but just make sure it stays in balance if it must. And all partnerships are not created equal. And just remember that they don't all have to be forever. So I hope that's not too abstract, but those are some of the rules I think apply to partnerships across (laughs) sectors. John Stimple is out. I know it's more than enough. (laughs) I feel like my head looks like the little mind blown emoji. I mean, that is so applicable to so many areas of life, but I love how you're applying it here because it does change the script of like, and I know we kind of break this down every time we talk about partnerships, but with 15 plus years in the field, we always walked into the room feeling like the lowly side of the equation. And I think that's Mm -hmm. normal bent for nonprofits to feel like that. And nothing I heard there is a mindset that's like that. You know, it's all about understanding the shared goals and the shared wins and the shared everything. So it's equal. Like that's what we need to be fighting for. And that's what we need to show up. So I want to talk about leadership in this. And, you know, you have created truly a culture of innovation at how y'all look at this and collaboration. What advice could you give our listeners? We have so many nonprofit leaders listening to this podcast. What's some kind of wisdom you would impart on building that culture at your organization? I learned this the hard way and I try to be very um, reflective about it. If you are not intentional about the culture that you're building as a leader, you won't be devoid of a culture. You just won't have the culture that you want. So you have to actually intentionally, purposefully work on culture. And it's, it's, that's something that happens repetitively. It happens um, periodically. It can, Culture can't be created a, alone, but as a leader, it has to be something that's important to you. Otherwise, a culture that you didn't want will happen. It's not that you won't just not have a culture. Does that make sense? And I'm not going to wander into a great culture. Like you're not going to wander into a great culture. Yeah. Um, I think in terms of 
attributes of a culture of innovation and collaboration, I was really thinking about two of the things that I think have come up over and over that are consistently contributing to an innovative and collaborative culture, curiosity. And that's every team, every person on the team, curiosity, the what's over the horizon. What if we did it this way? I think I'm going to learn about that. I'm going to listen to the We Are For Good podcast while I'm on my treadmill this morning. (laughs) I'm like, I'm curious. I'm hungry. I want to learn. I don't think I have all the answers. It's a team sport. What can I contribute? How could we, you know, what's a new play for us? And then the other one is having a little bit of courage to follow up that curiosity. And that's stepping out of your comfort zone. Again, as the leader, I'm leading us through uncertain times. I'm going to make decisions during COVID time that is different than decisions I've ever had to make in the past. Now that we're sort of out of that COVID time environment, we're leading the organization through a new phase, and I'm going to have the courage to do things differently. And it might be uncomfortable, but if it's a team sport, what we can do is celebrate the wins. We can learn from the losses. And then I know you both really um, support this. Then move on, move on. Let's move on. Let's keep moving on. So in summary, curiosity, courage, and um, the ability to move on. Emery, I'm going to tell you why I like you so much. Here's, Here's the top quality at the top of the list. You never come in and tell me what I think you're going to tell me. You look at it through a completely different lens. You see the world differently. And I I think about this conversation in just the short time that we've had it. You're talking about playing a long game when you talk about locking arms for impact. That's our second core value of our company is we're not here for quick wins. And guess what? Your partners are not in it for quick wins either. You're talking not about corporate partnerships are handled by the corporate partnerships team or by the executive director, which is honestly the school that I came from in the last 20 years. Corporate partnerships is a team sport. And John, I hope you're following with all these sports analogies, but I feel like you're (laughs) tracking with us here. But you've made it so applicable because you're right cultures that people want to come into, you cannot have an innovative culture by throwing a ping pong table in the middle of your office or by having a sharing session, you know, with feelings and those kinds of things. It's got to be deeper and it's got to involve everybody. And we've got to have that psychological safety, that curiosity, that spirit of everybody has a role to play here. And the thing that's really resonating with me on Lock Arms for Impact of what you're saying is you have got to do some homework before you go in you've got to know your why and you've got to know their why. And we have got to be bold in the way that we share it. And when I look at bold networks, I I, got to highlight your incredible program, your Got Your Six Network, which I love so very much. And so, and I have heard Got Your Six a hundred times since you've come onto our podcast. I mean, did you, did you listen to it in Maverick? I mean, I'm hearing it everywhere and and it's become this thing within my family, the way that we talk about having your back. And I think about when you have someone's back, whether it's a corporate partner, whether it's your team, whether you're the leader running this mission, 
I feel like you've baked this into your culture already. So we talked in our last episode that you were on, you know, about this Got Your Six Network. Talk to us about this program and how has it deepened the impact of your work as you're locking arms with others? Well, Becky, at first I'm smiling now. My dimple's coming out because <laughs> you said you do your homework before you come in. And I can tell you at least 25 people at the Bob Woodruff Foundation, on the Bob Woodruff Foundation team, if they listen to this podcast, are all laughing because I always, I like really deeply believe in doing your homework before you go in. Like no, deeply, girl. Believe in it. <laughs> deeply believe in it. Um, deeply believe it. <laughs> it's um, meant laugh- to be. Yeah. Well, it, and, and it, by the way, it works. Got your six. What is it? In its simplest form at the beginning, we had the courage and the curiosity to try building a network that spanned the entire country so that every single veteran or military family had exactly what they needed when they needed it wherever they lived. That's audacious. That's bold, y'all. It was, and it wasn't popular. And there were a lot of um, naysayers. And there were times where I, I questioned the aspiration. And then there was a time where I said, why don't we stop asking what other people think and if we can and will it work and just try it. And we did it quietly. And we did the work. We rolled up our sleeves. We said, we need to start with one community partner. And then we need another one. And then we need another one. And we need to understand the differences between the markets in our country. We have, the United States is massive. It's massive. And it's different. Each state, each town is different. And if you want to build long lasting partnerships that have mutual benefit, reciprocal relationships and a unique value, then you need to do the work to understand what matters to those partners and then seek to provide a value. I'm flash forwarding five years of that work. And we now have the largest non-governmental network of organizations serving veterans in the country. We've reached almost 13 million of the 18 million in this country. And better believe it, we're getting that last five. We're going to get there. We have programs in all 50 states and Puerto Rico. And I'm coming to you from San Antonio, Texas, which uh, is called Military City USA, by the way. They actually call themselves that. That's their their town motto. Um, Military town through and through, huge military and veteran presence. And we hosted the second Got Your Six Summit. We partnered with the United Way of San Antonio in San Antonio. We partnered with the mayor, the head of the joint base down there. USAA came to the table. So it was the who's who in the zoo of San Antonio all coming together. We had 300 people come together for a session about how we could better work together. And if you know the San Antonio area and the the ecosystem of organizations that serve veterans, it's actually an embarrassment of riches. So the problem we were trying to solve there is there's so many resources that the organizations don't actually have to collaborate out of necessity. They have to collaborate out of 
believing in a higher, a higher goal and a, and a, and a bigger impact. And that was what the Bob Woodruff Foundation was able to come in, not do, but facilitate. And it was, it was really successful. What you just said at the end, I mean, first kudos to you, to your team, to the donors and people behind this mission. I mean, that's five years like that. That's hard to even wrap my head around, but saying this collaboration out of necessity. I mean, I do think that there's organizations there that are in that place and it just, it doesn't work in the new world order that we are in today. And that's why we've talked about community is everything. And this Lock Arms for Impact brings this to light. All these trends kind of come together of like meeting the moment is putting down our ego long enough to really solve for the bigger problems, whether it is out of necessity or out of just the right thing to do and the right thing for the world and for our missions and all of that. And so what a freaking beautiful story. And y'all are living this out in real time. And I'm just here for it. Like so delighted that you came on and what a perfect compliment to this trends to take it to an even deeper level than what I think we could have imagined, Amory. So thank you. And again, thanks to your incredible team behind you as well. Um, I wonder if you would round out, you know, we always start to wind down with a one good thing and maybe you have one for this, or maybe just teach us any of your wisdom or parenting advice. Cause I appreciate it. We'll, well. <laughs> we'll take it all. <laughs> I definitely do not have parenting advice. Um, <laughs> I will take the parenting advice. Um, okay. I have, I have a good thing. Okay. good. Who's ready for the next season of Ted Lasso? Oh my gosh, please. I love you, Roy Kent. Yes. Okay, we're ready. Do you think that's where all of the team analogies came from today? Of course it is. Of oh my gosh, did not I'm catch re-watching. it. I'm re-watching the first and second seasons. I'm getting ready. And I'm going to give you a little... Uh, give you a little Ted Lasso for my one good thing. But then I'm going to give you a more serious good thing. So you know believing is core to the team's success. So you have to care and believe in what you're doing. And I know that's the community of people that are part of We Are For Good. We care so much and we believe so much. So I hope the advice I was able to give today is a little bit of practical around all that passion. Mm -hmm. Um, And then on a more serious note, last week, and this one's related to the Bob Woodruff Foundation's mission, President Zelensky, on the one-year anniversary of Russia's invasion of Ukraine, told reporters, oh, this gives me goosebumps, Victory Day is going to be the happiest day for me and every Ukrainian, and I am confident we will have this victory. And I think that's the courage that we talked about earlier. I feel like you just listed two of my personal heroes in Zelensky and in Ted Lasso, because (laughs) I, I love both of those so much. And I have to like, just say something about Ted Lasso really quickly. Cause you know, we're from the Midwest sort of, we're in the middle of the country here in Oklahoma and I'm watching this TV show and I'm looking at the way everyone mocks Ted Lasso from Kansas for how kind he is and how aw shucks he is. And then as you watch this show go on, and I know we're talking a lot about this show, but I think it's so applicable to this world. Absolutely. Kindness, belief, compassion, doing the right thing. They really do cut through. We're watching it as a business. And I'm saying that if you can apply those things in the way that you 
partner and the way that you build relationships and the way that you show up generously, that is going to come back to you. I look at this Got Your Six Network. It was all about abundance. It was all about opening hands up and saying, what can we do for you and inviting others in? These themes are not Hollywood. You know, they're not just wartime. They are practical for real life. So thank you, Anne-Marie, for bringing the house down once again in the We Are For Good podcast. <laughs> Tell people how they can connect with you. Tell them yeah. how they can connect with Bob Woodruff Foundation and get all the deets because your socials are also incredible and very inspiring as well. Well, thank you. We have so much content on our website. It's bobwoodruffoundation.org. And if you want to connect with me on LinkedIn, it's A.M. Doherty. And I'm so happy to connect on LinkedIn. I found that to be a platform where we've made a ton of meaningful connections. I mean, heart is full. Man, my brain is spinning with ideas. <laughs> this this conversation has been incredible. Can't thank you enough for coming back. And so good to see you too. Oh, I love you both. Thank you so much for having me. Hey friends, thanks so much for being here. Did you know we create a landing page for each podcast episode with helpful links, freebies, and even shareable graphics? Be sure to check it out at the link in this episode's description. You probably hear it in our voices, but we love connecting you with the most innovative people to help you achieve more for your mission than ever before. We'd love for you to join our good community. It's free, and you can think of it as the after party to each podcast episode. You can sign up today at weareforgood.com backslash hello. One more thing, if you loved what you heard today, would you mind leaving us a podcast rating and review? It means the world to us and your support helps more people find our community. Thanks, friends. I'm our producer, Julie Comfer, and our theme song is Sunray by Remy Borsboom. Rabbit fans have always powered the We Are For Good podcast, but now Rabbit fans can get even more goodness and access by joining Good Friends. It's our listener support community for the We Are For Good podcast. Good Friends comes with perks, exclusive episodes with John and I, including The Good Brief, our new monthly cliff notes of the greatest takeaways and lessons learned from that month, and exclusive AMA episodes where we answer your burning questions and tap our community of experts. Join now or learn more at weareforgood.com backslash friends. We can't wait to see you inside. That's weareforgood.com slash friends.